wonderful, wonderful service already. And I'm very grateful to God about what God's doing. Isaiah 50, verse 4. Stand up. Stand up for Jesus. Let's say this scripture together. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. Morning by morning, my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. Please be seated. It's an amazing thing what God's doing. I, uh, I believe it was Thursday morning, Theresa can bear witness to this. I sent uh, a text message that I felt led to speak on what I'm going to be speaking on this morning. I had no idea about what the service was going to look like. And uh, right after I sent the text message, because I was praying, after I sent the text message, the Lord started speaking to me. And uh, I, I wrote this down. I had no idea of what God was going to be doing here this morning. And uh, still very unsure, because I said, I believe I said to Michael, I got this, but I don't know where he's going. I got to search where God's going with this, because I really don't know where this is. This is not what I normally would like to go to. This is different. And then, I think it was on Friday or Saturday, I read what that minister had said. Then I understood. A minister in the United States, a minister of the gospel saying that if, you, if any church does not accept gay marriage, that church will become irrelevant in the United States with time. So every church must go that way now. Uh, that was kind of tough for me to hear. I mean, they can do whatever they want to do, but are you saying now that Pastor Goodluck is going to uh, uh, officiate over Two men getting married, I'd rather die. I guess I'm not going to do it. There is no way I'm going to do something like that. It's just not going to happen. Because the church has to accept it. But this is what the Lord spoke to me. I wrote it down because I wanted to share it, but didn't say it. The way he started, I knew I have to share this with you. He said, remind my people that I said I will come again. The world has gone violent, and my people are asleep in the light. You have forgotten the promise of my return, and now preach fables for gospel. You enjoy and give yourselves to things that have no eternal value, and you call that life? My return is imminent, and my promise sure. When will you turn and listen to my command? Do not speak to yourselves like those of old, saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. That's what the Lord spoke to me, and I kept wondering, how am I going to talk to the people about this and just go and speak? But now everything that's happening is come 
it's become clear to me that God is speaking to his people. The world is going crazy. There's a lot of violence in the world today. A lot of violence all over the world today. A minister called me out of Florida telling me that it's southern part of Nigeria, the country that I'm from, that they have about seven, 800 children that have, come, that have come from the northern part where you have most, mostly Muslims. But Christians live among them as well. And these Muslims have targeted them and killed their parents and actually beheaded their parents in the presence of these kids. Now they have no parents. So I called our pastor friend, Pastor Solomon, in Benin City, they want to help us with our television program. I said, have you heard about this ministry? Because sometimes they can just put something out, and I don't know if it's true, because the man has about these eight, seven, or 800 children, Susan told me, from Florida, and he said, whatever you guys can do to help, please help. And, and I said, I've never heard of anything. I talk to Solomon all, all the time. He's never said a word about this to me before. When did this thing happen? And Solomon, when I called, initially he said, no. We've never heard about this before. But then he went and checked it. He said, yeah, the kids are here. He says, the man is so overwhelmed. They have bags of food that they cook. They can't even feed the kids. And these are children whose parents have been beheaded right before their eyes. Not what you see on television about ISIS. There's violence all over the world. But you know, God destroyed the first world, the world of Noah. The primary reason was violence. There was too much violence in the world. And God says, I cannot tolerate this. Whenever you kill the innocent, God shows up. Every time you kill the innocent, their blood cry out to God. We saw that with Abel. When Cain killed Abel, God came down immediately to confront Cain about what had happened. And he said, the, blood of your, the voice of your, your brother's blood cried out to me, and now I'm, 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 I'm going I'm to make judgment to you for what you've done. There's so much violence in the world. It's a clear sign we are at the end of the age. We really need to sit up. We really need to sit up. The world is coming to an end. It's not the violence that's going to stop to, to bring the end, but that's a clear sign. Uh, the, I'm not going to the scripture. A lot of Christians are thinking, well, let's wait till the very end and all of that. No, Jesus is going to come when you're not expecting him. It's going to come at a time when we are not expecting him. Because everything will just be normal. People are married, happy, they're having concerts. And crazy people are saying crazy things. And no one is expecting him to come. He says he's going to come as a thief in the night. When no one is expecting him, he comes and it's all over. We really need, and he says for us to watch. We need to watch. Jesus made a statement, uh, gave a parable in Luke chapter 18. And he started talking initially. He said the parable was to the intent that men ought always to pray and not give up. Don't faint. Be persistent in your prayer life. He says men, the parable was, that was his intention. So that we don't give up in our prayer life. So he told the story of uh, an unjust judge, he said. An unjust judge. 
And we'll find out why he was an unjust judge. And uh, he said there was also a, an unjust judge in the city. And there was a widow in the same city who constantly went to the judge and said, Look, give me justice against my enemies. Not destroy my enemies. I just need justice. Give me justice. Give me what's right for me. Because I got these people coming against me. I just need some justice. But he said, this judge did not fear God nor regard man. He didn't fear God nor did he regard man. And he wouldn't do it for a while. But this lady, Jesus said, kept coming, kept coming. And he said to himself, I don't care about doing right. But I don't, I'm tired of this woman bothering me. So I'm going to do it just to get her off my back, off my case. Not because I feel like doing right. I'm just going to do it. And he actually said, even though I don't fear God and I don't fear man, I don't regard man, I'll do it because she's bothering me. And Jesus said, if you read in Luke 18 from verse uh, 6, it says, Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. When you, don't, when you don't regard, or you don't fear God, and you don't regard men, you become unjust before God. What that means is I don't care about God's judgment upon my life. I'll continue to do what I want to do. If God's going to judge me, that's okay. I'll take it. There's no fear of God. And he doesn't care about his reputation. Don't care what you think. I'll do whatever I want. Whether they don't like me or like me, I don't care. I'm just going to do it. If he's going to destroy them, don't, don't matter to me. That's when you become unjust. When you don't fear God and you don't care what people say about your reputation. And so Jesus called him an unjust, unjust judge for that reason. He says, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, to me, to him? Will God not hear his people who cry out his elect? So notice, his elect in the world. They cry out to him day and night. I wonder how many people get up at night to pray these days. Are you really his elect? I wonder how many Christians spend time reading their scripture, the scriptures. That's why I can say what God's saying. They spend time with things and give their time and give themselves to things that have no eternal value. It's more important to them than things that will bring them eternal value. But what brings you eternal value will also give you value on the earth. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. But Satan has blinded the world. And the world is not able to see that the true life comes through a devotion to God, constant devotion to God without fear of man. Not don't matter what they say. Fear of God, no fear of man. That will put you in a good position. When you don't have either, that's trouble. 
hear what this unjust, unjust judge said. He said, God will listen to his children, his elect, that cry out to him day and night. If you don't like what's going on in the United States, cry out to him. It's not like God's going to stop what's going on because he's already prophesied these things will happen. We heard that in the prophecy. He's going to happen. But he will protect you. That's the issue. I'm not concerned about what the man is preaching. I'm concerned just like Angela said. I'm more concerned about me, God. I don't know how he got there, but I don't want to get there. I want to go to heaven. He can do whatever they can call him, mega church. I don't care what they call him. I want to do what God says. I don't know what turned his heart to that way of living, where he's confident to say words like, if you're going to live your life by a letter that was written to people then, 2,000 years ago, then you are out of touch. How can a minister say a word like that? But he's able to say it. And there are people listening to him. The blind leading the blind. They all fall in the ditch. The words of Jesus are becoming fulfilled. Because people are not willing to follow God with all of their heart. God said, my son, give me your heart. Give me your heart. You were created for him. You were made in his image. You were created by him and for him. You are a family member. Give me your heart. He said, God, he'll hear them. That's a lot of comfort. I can cry out to God and he'll hear my prayers. You can cry out to God and he'll hear your prayers. If your heart is with God, God will hear your prayer. No matter what's going on, God will protect you. God will deal with you. He says, I tell you that he will advance them speedily. God will answer speedily. Nevertheless, this is where I saw sadness in the heart of the Lord. He said, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, in other words, when Jesus comes back again, will he really find faith on the earth? When the Son of Man returns, Will he truly find, really find faith on the earth? You know what that means? When God comes into your family, God comes into your life, he's looking for just one thing, faith. He's looking for faith in your heart, faith in God, devotion to God is so important to God. And Jesus, even after saying that his father will avenge them speedily, he said, nevertheless, Kind of a sadness there. When the Son of Man returns, is he going to truly find people with faith in God? Will he find true Christians? People who really believe God. And we see it now. People rejecting part of the scriptures. And they are in the church. The words of Jesus being fulfilled in the last days. Men will be lovers of themselves. Boastful. They are more concerned about being accepted by men than they are. Jesus said, how can you believe? You love the, the praise from men more than praise from God. That's what's happening today. 
that we need to realize all of these things that are going on, they are signs to let us know we are coming to the very end and you really need to be careful. You really need to be careful. We really need to be careful. Will I find faith or not? The most important part, particularly, he's talking about do people really believe that Jesus is coming back again? Do you really believe that Jesus is coming back again to the world, to this earth? That's what it says. Will I find faith on the earth? When I return, will I find people believing that I'm coming back? Because when he returns, some people are going to be left behind. Because they were not looking for him. Some people are going to be left behind. This title of, the title of the message is The Whole Creation Waits. And I'm coming to that. The whole creation, the whole creation, the whole universe is in pain right now. The whole universe cannot tolerate what's going on. The whole universe is stressed. And they are waiting for a change. Believe me, they are truly waiting for a change. The Bible talks about a new heaven and a new earth. God, they, a new one renewed because God, the whole creation, the Bible talks about it. The whole creation, they are just waiting for this to happen because that was not God's original intent. There was not supposed to be decay. If you know chemistry, every element has half-life. It's half-life because of decay. But God didn't want it originally that way. And the Bible is clear. The nature doesn't like what's going on. They are looking for a change as well. They are looking for deliverance. It's right there in the scriptures. We are the ones stopping it. They are ready. <laughs> the, the world, the universe is ready for the change. The universe can't wait for Jesus to come back. The only people that God that's holding everything back is people. And Christians. Christians. Because as soon as the Holy Spirit is lifted up from the earth, the end is come. And when Christians leave, the Holy Spirit lives with them. And everything goes to pieces. And God will see the violence and say, this is it. We've come to that level. You know in the scriptures, when God was going to destroy Canaan, he said, I will wait until the iniquity is is full. And then we destroy it. That's the way God is. So when Christians are gone, the level of violence and everything is going to go up. And God says, this is it. That's it. It's over. Christians need to be aware that we are coming to an end. We need to believe that and act that way. In, in uh, Matthew chapter 24... Jesus had just left the temple and the disciples came to him and they were showing him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, don't you, you see this, this, these things? Not one stone will be left upon another stone until all of them be thrown down. And the disciples heard that they were shocked by it. And when they got in and they started asking him, they started talking to him. They wanted to know. They wanted to know. Christians must be curious about things like this. They heard Jesus say those words and they knew it was going to come to pass. And this is what they said to him. 
beginning from verse 3. It says, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, we want to know, tell us when will these things be? When is this temple going to come down? What you just told us, we know it's going to happen, but when? When? They wanted to know. We're not curious enough to know how is this going to happen, when? They didn't stop there. They said, and what is the sign of your coming? What is the sign of your coming? That's one part. And then they said, and of the end of the world. So you got to understand. First, they were asking about the temple. And then they want to know when Jesus is coming back again. That's for the believers. And then the end of the world. The end of the world. If you read in Matthew 27, you have to understand. Because Jesus, the way he answered the questions... He puts it again in the form of parable. Only those that's been given to understand, to, to understand what he's saying, they never understand it because everything is in there together. You have to separate what he's saying. And that's the way God likes it. To you, it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. But for those who are without, those that are going to be destroyed, it's going to always be in parable. They never understand it. So everything in Matthew 24... It's all jumbled up. And sometimes Jesus is talking about the temple. Other times he's talking about his second return. And then he finally is talking about the end of the world. And so you have to understand what he's saying there. The temple was destroyed. I believe it was 70, 80. That came to pass. And now we are waiting for his return. Look at what Jesus said. And which we've already heard in prophecies this morning. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. Amen. We've already heard that from the Holy Spirit this morning. Take heed that no one deceives you. It's out there. We have people that are showing all kinds of miracles. We can tell the difference. Whether it's God or not. We have somebody in Nigeria now that there's a lot of controversy about. They tell me he does this and the people flip. And now because of him, the Nigerian government said, in fact, they said he can do something, whether true or not. That's what I was told. And you see the blood shooting out from a man's eyes just like that, in a fountain form. And people said, wow, what is this? But then this fellow said, I was born again from my mother's womb. So the Christian said, huh, really? <laughs> Can a person be born again from his mother's womb? That's crazy. And so the preachers, the number one preacher there says, tell us the day you got saved, who preached to you, and, all, and then we will accept you into our fellowship. But you, you're different. <laughs> Nobody is born again from his mother's womb. You're not Jesus. So we have all of that. When I was growing up, there was a man called Jesus of Oyibo. I think uh, some of our Nigerian friends here will remember him. He was always on the papers. They talk about Jesus of Onyigbo. And they talk about the miracles and all of that. And he lived for a while and then he died. Front page in the newspaper. 
Nigerian newspaper. I was there at home. He says, Jesus of Oyigbo is dead. But unlike the other Jesus, he's never coming back. <laughs> but he had followers. You've heard about David Koresh. Jim Jones. Please don't think those people are so stupid. They had doctors among them. This is a spiritual thing. It has nothing to do with your intellect. So we have to understand. That's why Jesus said, take heed that no one deceives you. You know why I developed this attitude? No matter what you do, if you're going to talk to me, and you want to convince me about an opinion, please come with scripture because you are not going to be well received. You got to show me from the scripture. I don't care. I don't have anything to prove. In my life, my little life, this short time I've been a Christian, I've seen things. I mean, I've seen miracles. I've prayed for people. They're healed. I've seen broken leg healed. I've seen somebody who was insane for two years that I prayed for. Nobody said a word to me. I just knew this person was insane because as soon as she looked at me, she started freaking out. I knew something was wrong. I didn't know that she had been insane for two years, stayed in an abandoned building, carrying trash all over her head. I prayed for her. Didn't even know what was happening. God healed her. You can tell me. I've seen those things. But I know it's outside me. He's, he, he's the one doing it. It has nothing to do with my Christian life. I still have to live as a Christian. I'm not going to depend on all of that, doing miracles. Who wants to hear, you know, didn't I do all these miracles in your name? And then Jesus said, I never knew you. I don't want that for me. I've got to live the life. I don't think on those things. Is to help people find Christ. That's the way I see it. He's doing it to help them receive Him. Has nothing to do, but I've seen blind eyes open. I've seen deaf ears open. So it's not a big deal. If you do it, you're not making it. It's not something I haven't seen. So I don't, have, I don't depend on that. This is all I know. Show me from this book. And I'll receive it. Show me from this book. Don't allow yourself to be deceived. It's all about Jesus. That's all I know. This morning I was even thinking about it in my mind. And these scriptures came into my mind. It says about those that God has put onto you. He said, God, they will give account of your soul to me. God, Jesus saying that. And I realized that's me. So I'm going to be giving account about my life. Based on Rhonda's life? No, kidding. Wow. This is an awesome responsibility. I've got to give account. So this is not a plaything for me. It's to speak the truth. And God is the one that confirms his word. Amen? God confirms his word. So he said to take heed. Jesus said you will hear of rumors of war. And he said, you pestilence around. He says, and there will be earthquake in all of it. He says, but the end will not be. That's not the end yet. Just let, I'm just letting you know these things are going to happen. But that's not what's going to cause the end. The end is not yet. That's the way he put it. The end is not yet. You know when the end will come? You know when the end will come? Well, I'm glad you asked. Okay. 
In verse 14 of the same chapter, he says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. So who is delaying the end? Us. Children of God. I like the beginning of right after Azusa Street. The Christians knew, even before Azusa Street, they knew, they knew that preaching the gospel around the world was going to bring about the end. And some of them, I mean, there were people that went and they were killed. These people went without much training. They were going to bring the end of the world. If your heart is thinking, well, I don't want to, if that's the case, let's slow down preaching of the gospel so we can continue to live here on earth. You don't have understanding. You are living for this age, this present. This place is the place for preparation for the real place we are going to be living in. This is preparation for the real world. This is not the real world. Everything you have here decays. You buy a car, you shine it every morning, you wake up and you clean it and you smell how good this car is. You drive around so your friends can see your brand new, whatever you call that car. Not Pinto, of course, you know. <laughs> and every time you go in, it smells good. I give you just five years. The car will be laying out there dirty and you're not paying any, you're not paying any attention to it. Oh, that's that car. Everything in this world, nothing lasts here. Only up there. Let me say this to you. You have eyes just to let you know that God has eyes. His eyes. These days, when I have to read some real fine prints, I call Omar. Or told you, you know. My eyes are still good, but there are some fine prints that are really tasking for me. And I said, told you, hey, can you read that, Daddy? <laughs> when I was younger, that would be really bad for me. Everything on earth, nothing lasts. It's going to grow old. God's eyes will never dim. That's a spiritual eye. God sees. And that's what Jesus wants to deliver to us. When this life is over. And the whole creation knows that there is something of that sort coming to them. And we are the ones stopping them. Let me read the scriptures to you. Wow, I've spent a lot of time preaching. Teresa, did you help me with time? No. (laughs) You did? I wasn't paying attention. Thank you, brother. Who said that? You are my best friend. (laughs) All right. But let me read the scripture to you. I'm not going to come back to it. It is so much here by the grace of God. And and what I do believe in my heart is because 
is this. Once you hear the word, whether you like it or not, if you agree with me, some transformation is going on in your life. You may not even be aware of it. I know that. Because the scripture cannot lie. It says, you are clean because of the words that I have spoken to you. The disciples didn't even realize that the words they were hearing was cleansing them. They didn't know that. They had no idea. And Peter said, we need you, I need you to you know, just wash me all over. Jesus said, no, you're clean because of the word. And the words that we hear, they are spirit and they are life. So you are receiving words of life right now and there is a there's transformation taking place in your life right now and in your situation, even though you may not be aware of it. Because the word of God is eternal, it's incorruptible, it will always produce. It's a seed, it will always produce. So I know something is happening in your life right now. As you're hearing these words. Romans 8 verse 17 through 23 says, And if children, that's you, children of God, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, that says you're going to suffer somehow, the sufferings of this present time, you know where this suffering comes from? You know where this suffering is talking about? Where he's talking about where it comes from? The source of this. It goes back to the scripture in Matthew 24, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom must be preached in all the world. That's where our suffering comes from. If you set your mind to do God's will, oh yeah, there's going to be some trouble coming your way. It's a, but it tells us, for if I, cons- if, if I consider that, for I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So there is going to be a glory that is going to be revealed in us, just like God's glory. For the earnest expectation, this is where I'm going, for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. They are earnestly waiting for the revealing of the sons of God or children of God because your revealing is what brings deliverance to the creation. Until you are revealed, no deliverance for creation for the creation. So he tells us they eagerly wait. For the revealing of the sons of God. He says, for the creation was subjected to futility. The creation, after man sinned, God subjected the creation to futility until the revealing of God's children. He says, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. God did that waiting for something better to come. And all is based on your life. My point is, your life is important to God. Your life is more important to God than the whole of creation. Just to have you, God is subjecting the universe to futility until you're revealing. And he sent his son. You are that important to him. And you better know that. If you don't know that, you have been deceived by the devil. 
You are important to God. He gave His Son to die so that He can have you. You don't release your money, $100,000, to buy something that you don't want. That would be crazy. But life, the Son of God's life for your life, you must be very important to Him. And He's subjecting the whole of creation just to have your revealing. He subjected it to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself, the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption, decay. So there is decay. The creation is saying, I want to get out of this decay stuff, this corruption stuff. That's not God's original intent and I don't want it. And it's all based on you this morning. How important do you think you are to him? You are that important to him. The best thing to do as a man, I heard this preacher say, you were created in his image. Good illustration. The man said, uh, Jesus took the coin and said, whose image? And superscription is this. They said, well, Caesar's. And Jesus replied, give what Caesar to Caesar and what God to God. So why is it going back to Caesar? Because it has Caesar's image. Belongs to Caesar. Whose image do you carry? You carry the image of God. And so give yourself to him. Totally. That's what this preacher said. I, I almost jumped out of my seat. It was incredible. But that's the truth. Why won't you give what belongs to God? You belong to him. Give yourself to him and find true, true meaning to life. You can do that this morning. You can do that this morning. Forget the preacher. He's him. Give yourself to him. And find the reason why you are created. Thank God I found the reason why I am created. I never planned. If somebody had told me I would be a preacher in the United States, uh, I think you've been eating something or drinking something. You're insane. That's the way I say it. But that's what God has called me for. And I'm happy for it. All eyes closed this morning. Heads bowed. We need to commit totally our lives to God. Maybe you've already given your life to Jesus sometime in your life. And you've been in church. But right now, you are not doing everything that you know is pleasing to Him. What if Jesus came back today? What if He came back today? Matthew 25 talked about the story, the parable of the ten virgins. Some were left behind. Would you be left behind? You made a commitment to God sometime, but you're not following through with that commitment. Not truly. And you know it. Why can't you be sincere with God today and say, God, if you help me, and God will, if you help me, I want to draw closer to you. If you say that from the heart, God will listen to you and there will be a transformation in your life. There is nothing that's too hard for God. God can do it. Just give him the chance today. Will somebody give God a chance today?
to come into your life and begin to change things in your life? Will somebody do that? Will we do that today? If you will do that this morning, at the count of three, you want Jesus to take complete control of your life. You really mean it. Put your hand up right now. Put your hand up. Let me, let me see your hand up. You want that. Thank you. Thank you. That's what you want. Thank you. It's very important that we give him all. I'm going to say, dare to say this to the whole congregation. Because the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. We all need to give ourselves back to him today. Would you stand with me this morning, every one of us? You need to dedicate your life to service for him. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to serve him with all of my heart. I'm not holding back. I'm going to serve him with all of my heart. That's my desire all night long. Sometimes these things go through my head. God, I want to be pleasing to you. Not as a pastor, as a child of God. That's important to me. This is the job for him. But for me, I want to be a child of God. I want to serve him. There is a God. God is there. And he can touch your life and minister to you today. He is here with us. He is here among us. Jesus is right here. You may not see him, but you can feel him sometimes. But he wants to talk to you. Would you give him everything that you have and say, Lord, I'm not holding anything back. And if there's a struggle in you, say, God, please help me. Help me. Help me. God, I believe. Help my own belief. God, I believe. Let's pray together. Say with me, God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, into the world. To be my Lord and my Savior. Today, I accept Him into my life with all of my heart. Lord Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Help me to live for my God. To serve Him. To be pleasing to Him. All the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen.